Grace and peace upon you, Fresno First family. Good morning and joy to you. Thank you. Last week was awesome. I tell you what, I just, I hope everybody realizes how much Shelly and I deeply love each and every one of you. And we are so grateful to God to call Fresno First our church home because this is a safe place for everyone to grow in Christ. This is an amazing church to connect and grow together. And although none of us are perfect, we worship a perfect God. And we grow in faith together as we follow Jesus together. And so, and that's awesome. That is good news. And if you're new, welcome. We're excited to go ahead and have you worship with us today. We do ask that you fill out one of the connection cards so we can keep you up to date on the latest and greatest that God is doing in and through Fresno First Church of the Nazarene. And, uh, and you can put the connection card in the connection box in the back or on the door in the lobby. And with that, why don't we go before the Lord as His people of? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are the standard of all that is good, all that is right, all that is perfect, all that is holy. You are creator, and you are creator of all, and we are your creation. You made us on purpose in your image and likeness. You made us on purpose for your purpose. And we thank you for being with us by your spirit that's alive in us and and for the grace that you save us, Lord, through your Son. Please forgive us when we don't do those things that we know we should do, and then we just don't do it. And help us to forgive those when others make us feel used and less by, the, by their treatment. Lord, we ask your favor upon our community, both within our community and in our community. Lead us in creative ways to connect, grow, and serve, Lord, to, to share who you are, and not just in the way that we speak, but in the actions we take, in the, in the way that we interact, Lord, that, that we can think not of ourselves first, but think of you and others. Lord, we ask that you be with those that need healing, be with those that are rejoicing, be with those that are closing off a new season, or closing off an old season, and be with those that are starting a new one. Speak to our leaders globally, nationally, and locally that they may reveal your character even if they don't know you. Because you're the God of all, of all peoples of all times. We thank you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. If you could please stand, we're going to enter into the, the throne room of our Lord in song. Psalm. 136, 26 states, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. <clears throat> you know, sometimes God's ways are, are so much above ours that it just doesn't make sense. And God is faithful to His promises. His love is never ending. It is unfailing. And it is available to all of us. If we could stand and be still. is our rock and the one that holds on to us. Let us praise his name now. You have our hearts, and we are yours forever. You are our strength, God of grace and power. And everything you hold in your hand, still you make time. Praise your God of earth and sky, beautiful is your unfailing love, unfailing love. You never change, God, you remain the Holy One and our unfailing love, unfailing love. You are our Can't understand. 
How beautiful is your unfailing love, unfailing love. You never change, God, you remain the Holy One. In Psalms 34, 8, God's word says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. You know, we often sometimes take for granted the goodness of God. And God's goodness is up close. God's goodness is tangible. That means that you can touch it, you can taste it, you can see it. And the God is good. In fact, God is good. And all the time, God is good. May we take refuge, be covered up, protected, and find safe harbor in His goodness. And God's Word says, and then we will know what it is to be blessed in the goodness of God. I love you, Lord, for oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. With every breath that I am in 
Just a little bit ago, we had our, our district assembly. And that's for all the churches in, in the central, all the Nazarene churches in Central California district every year annually go ahead and travel together or travel and meet together to go about worship and praise and testimony and fellowship and the business of the church. And every four years, the church of the Nazarene gathers globally. Churches from every nation come together at one time. A time of worship, a time of fellowship, a time of <clears throat> missionary witness, and a time of testimony, as well as a time of doing the business of the church. And FYI, this year, uh, it's going to be online as well, so if you want to go ahead and get the link and you want to watch uh, the General Assembly, watch our worship services, watch the business of what's going on, let me know and I'll get it to you. But for our mission moment this morning, we're praying for the denomination globally. District Assembly is from June 9th to June 16th. And this year is a big one. It's been six years since we had a, uh, a, a general assembly. And so that's, uh, that is kind of historic in itself. We're also uh, going to be electing two new general superintendents, potentially making very dynamic changes in the bylaws, which the Church of Nazarene refers to as the manual. And there's a lot going on. The church needs prayer. And so let's go to the Lord and, and lift up His people to Him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're excited about the movement globally to glorify You, to make Christ-like disciples of all the nations, Lord, and, and to do that well. To worship a holy God and to be a holy people. And as you gather together through the power of your Holy Spirit of every nation and tribe to gather together for a general assembly in one place, no doubt you will be glorified. Lord, we ask that you put upon now in people's hearts an earnest and a desire and an eagerness, Lord, to seek you and your will. We ask for wisdom and discernment. We ask for revival around the world that can begin in a moment, Lord, where you break through. We ask you continue to break through at General Assembly. Watch over our leaders. Watch over the electors, Lord. And we ask that the testimony bear witness to your glory. Lord, we ask that the witness encourage and inspire all of us who are your followers to be more in, to take one more step closer, to surrender that much greater that you may continue to more and more transform us by the power of your spirit, Lord, every single day more into your image. We praise and we thank you and we're excited to see how you are going to manifest yourself and the outcome of that. And in Jesus' name, all of God's people said... Amen. If you could please stand, we're going to continue uh, to worship the Lord in song. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Amen? Amen. And, you know, since Jesus is in our heart, it actually makes all the difference because Jesus is with us. He's in us and he works through us. And so, <clears throat> let's praise God about Jesus coming into our heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have
For sure, there is gonna just be clapping. I mean, I gotta like, I feel like giving a yeehaw to Jesus on that one. <laughs> the, uh, you know, there is no more beautiful name than the name of Jesus. Colossians 1 15 through 17, God's word shares, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him and is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. We are held together because of Christ. There is no more beautiful name than His. He was the Word in the beginning. He and the Father are one. He sent His Spirit in us so that we could be alive. He sacrificed himself so that we could have salvation and eternal life that can begin now and not just life eternal, but life to the fullest. Oh, Jesus, there's no more beautiful name than yours. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is! The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is! Nothing compares. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was great. Praise of your glory. 
Heavenly Father, there is no name above the name of Jesus. He is above all things. Lord, and yet, He is closer than the very breath that we take. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for the beauty of Your love and Your grace. Thank You for being so close and yet so big. We praise You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite Timmy up to pray for our offering. There you go. Wow, those songs were amazing this morning. Listen to those words. The first one, oh, I want to talk about our offering. And there's a connection box behind, and there's three ways, different ways to give online. And I was thinking about his unfailing love, that first song that we sang, unfailing love. And sometimes we think, oh, do I really show my appreciation like I should? I want to do those things that show my appreciation. And one thing is making our offerings. And sometimes it's kind of hard because people go on vacation and they forget to do their offering. Now, do we forget to pay the light bill or the house payment? I don't know, but why do we forget the offering? It's really important that we include God in our summer activities, okay? And there's one thing that, um, that just really got to me. I had to write it down here. It said, his goodness is running after me. I, for some reason, don't remember that song, and I thought about that. His goodness is running after me. Wow, what a thought. And I thought, his unfailing love never fails. His goodness is running after me. How can we do anything but show our love and appreciation back? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are so big, so much, so awesome. And yet you love us and you loved us when we weren't loving you, Lord. You loved us anyway. You saw what we could be transformed lives for Jesus Christ. And Father, this morning, we thank you with all our hearts for your goodness to us, for leading us with the Holy Spirit who is with us every single day. And I just pray for the offering that we're giving this for this week, Lord God, that you would just multiply it, that it would just bring glory to your name. Because, Father, we want to share that with others. We just love you, and we trust you completely. And Father, we just love that beautiful name of Jesus, in whose name we pray right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Timmy. 
And if you all like to stand up, it's time to pass the peace. So go to someone you haven't seen or, or have seen and say good morning to them. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I have one announcement, so it's going to be quick. Um, the Senior Fellowship uh, lunch is going to be this Thursday at DeChico's at 1130. Pastor, I got it right? Okay. And that, that's, that's all I have, Pastor Jason. That's, that's my announcement. <laughs> Sir. Yes.
verses 15 through 17 this morning as we continue to unpack what it means to be right-sized before God. I love fishing. I really, really love fishing. I've been fishing since I was in diapers. And I especially like freshwater fishing, a little bit of ocean fishing, but freshwater just does something for my soul, and I um, prefer fly fishing over anything else. And I remember I was up in the, in the eastern Sierra Nevadas with a buddy of mine up in Onion Valley, and we were fly fishing for, for a full weekend. And, and the evening was coming, and it was an evening a little like this, but a little later, where the God had painted the mountains, and the first stars were starting to come out. As I looked up into the, the granite walls, the cathedrals that God had built of his creation along the eastern Sierras and the evening skies, the, I began to feel insignificant. I began to feel inadequate. I began to feel in awe. My heart found its way more into my throat and I just had these tears start just kind of leaking out of my eyes as I was mesmerized by God's, by God's creation. I couldn't take in the scenery all at once, and I looked as far as I could to the north, looked as far as I could to the south, and it was beyond the reach of my eyes on how vast this mountain range was or is. And I look up at the night sky, and, and more stars are starting to appear. I kind of tried to orient myself, and I spun around, and I couldn't take it all in. I couldn't take in the depth and the width. I couldn't take in the size of the mountains, nor of the sky. I couldn't take in all the majesty that God had created in the Sierra Nevadas, on those, especially that eastern ridge, and then the night sky. And even more so, I realize that God is even bigger, God is even greater than I can possibly ever, ever understand. I will not be able to, in this life, understand the depth and width and breadth and magnitude of who God is. It's just too much. And when I think of God in those terms of so big and so magnificent and so grand, I begin to feel insignificant and inadequate again due to how much God is above all things and, and how big He is. And, and then I begin to realize that as big as God is, did you know each one of us has worth? He gives us worth. He's with us. As great as God is, He's closer to us than our next breath, and He lives within us through the power of His Holy Spirit. And not only is He that close, but He's also grander and bigger than the farthest reaches of the known galaxy. He is above all. He is the only one worth praising, as we sang about this morning. And He is the only one worth boasting about. He deserves all that we are now, and all that we will ever become. And in that moment of, of humble adoration and humility, God made me feel right-sized. I understood that in that, in that exact moment that, that God is bigger than anything I could ever imagine and see. And yet He's right there. And in Him I have value and worth. That I'm not insignificant. I'm not just a speck of dust and the third rock from the sun. And that all happened as I gazed the wonder of God's work and His creation. Just like He reveals in, in Romans 1.19 that God will reveal His glory through the works of His creation. That no one has excuse not to know who He is. And, and in that moment I realized as I'm looking up at these mountain peaks that I could climb to the top of the highest peak. And that achievement would not be mine alone because I didn't create the peak. I didn't create the mountain. I can't take credit for all of that. So what I'm saying is when we stop and see the big picture, we find the very minutia of the details of our lives are founded on what we do or don't do, or not founded on what we do or don't do, 
not founded on where we go or don't go, we're not founded on what we achieve or what we do not achieve, they're founded on Christ and Christ alone. And we would do well to recognize his presence with us and ask his opinion of us and of our plans at all times. That whatever mountains we feel that we're facing, whatever mountains that we have scaled, that we have a God that is with us and we can't do those mountains alone. We can't even breathe without the Lord's grace. And when we recognize and live into this reality of God with us and God for us, there's something transcendent that happens within our souls. We have a profound sense of gratitude, a profound sense of right-sizedness, a profound sense of humility, and a profound sense of love of grace, of peace, of contemplating God and knowing that everything's going to be okay because we're seeking Him in all that we do. If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word, James 4, 15 through 17. What ought you say to this? Or what you ought to say is, what you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do to not do it. This has been the word of the Lord. And all of God's people said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, we emphasized the importance on inviting God into our plans. And this morning, we're moving along that same plane, that same vein, as God checks us and keeps us right-sized by challenging us to check our motives that are not to exclude God consciously or unconsciously. That means that, that we should not dismiss God either by commission or omission, as we go ahead and open up God's word from James. James 15 states that what you ought to say is that the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Meaning, if it's the Lord's will, we, we often talk about that. Even Christ sweat blood on that. Not, your will be do- not my will be done, but yours. If you can take this cup from me, do so, Lord. When we make our plans, do we even consider checking if it's within God's will, within God's word, within praying to see if we have peace and are led by his spirit? When was the last time we prayed for his will in our life without placing qualifiers on it? For example, the um, Lord, I will do your will and I'll glorify you as soon as I get this promotion. And if, Lord, if I can get this this car that I really, really need, I'm going to use it to your glory. And then we beg, borrow, and whatever, and we get this car, and we slap a not-of-this-world sticker on it, and then we drive recklessly. Or when somebody needs a ride, we, we, you know, I don't have time for that because i got other things to do. We begin to forget the one that provided. We forget to to dismiss in times of need, we go to God and in times of, of plenty, we go at it alone at times. You know, when was the last time we asked him to bless something that we haven't already planned doing anyway? God, I'm going to do this with or without you. Would you bless it? Isn't that kind of what we do? Have we contemplated our plans? Are they even in line with what God wants? Remember, the big picture is that all of this, everything we see, everything we don't see was created by God. There's only two things in the known universe and beyond, God and everything else. And that includes our jobs and our families, our hobbies, our cars, our desires, our plans, our goals, and all of our motivation. We can't even plan without consciously or unconsciously including God because our plans 
mean that we're planning to do something within his creation, within his realm, within what Christ has dominion over. And we got to remember that because without God, we don't even have life. And when we keep Jesus first and foremost in our minds, something begins to happen. We begin to recognize his presence with us. We become right-sized and we, we, we remember that, that he is the, the author and protective of our faith. He is the one that can change hearts. He is the one that, that can conquer mountains. He is the one that can overcome anything. And then when we, when we realize and lean on him for his guidance and wisdom, it leads into all aspects of our life. And when those times of trials and persecutions come, they're nothing that is uncommon to man that we will, he will give us a way out and we will be protected and whatever mountains we're facing, he will help us climb because he says he will. And I believe him. And that makes a big difference. There's one thing to say, Jesus, you're with me. There's another thing to believe it. And there's another one, and even more so, to act as if it is your reality, as if it is my reality as this fit is our reality. Sometimes it'd be wise to go ahead and stop talking about Jesus and just talk to Jesus, who's with us. And when we align ourselves with God, something miraculously happens. We begin to lose sight of those things that we thought were un, unnegotiable. We all have those unnegotiable things in our life, those things that which those we place that line in the sand. It may be at our job. It may be in our relationships. It could be in our marriage. It may be in the church. It might be a hobby and whatever it is, I won't cross that. That is not negotiable. That's it. And the thing is, when we become more increasingly more reliable on the Holy Spirit and upon God and giving wisdom, the more we are in line with how he will have us and his will in our lives, his good and perfect will, those things that we once thought were non-negotiable ever, we just give to him. We let Jesus, who's our mediator, begin to negotiate for us. Instead of my will be done, God, and that's non-negotiable, your will be done, not mine, and that makes me uncomfortable. And it's okay to say that to God. God, I want your will to be done, and I feel that you're leading me into whatever it is. Whatever this is, but I know that you're with me. Your will be done. And by the way, Jesus, I'm uncomfortable with that. I know I shouldn't, but I am. Help me. I believe, help my unbelief. And then when we begin to go into that, our plans start becoming his plans and, and our communication with God becomes much more personal. You know, James goes on to, to warn us of sins of commission when he writes, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. The sin of commission is something, willfully doing something out of the character in which God would have us live as well as an intentional fracture of our relationship with God. See, when we're filled with, with self-pride, when we're filled with ourselves, and we make plans, we begin to boast about it. And James warns about this. For example, we go ahead and we make plans and we ask God to bless it. Lord, will you bless it? And then all of a sudden, He does. And He doesn't just bless it a little, He blesses it with abundance. We Everybody here has been in that situation, whether it's with, and we accumulate more and more responsibility and things are going just the way it's right. And we feel as though we're on top of the world, a little bit of Neo DiCaprio, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio on the front of the Titanic. I'm the king of the world. Hold on to that for a second, because we're going to touch on that. And it could be with our home, our family, our jobs, our friends, our school, our retirement, how we spend our day, our finances, everything is smooth sailing because God has blessed it. See, we seek God to, to help go ahead and fill these plates and then get these plates spinning. And then pretty soon, God's doing his work and he's coordinating and everything's balanced and all the plates are spinning. 
And then too often, what ends up happening? People began to say, great job. Good job. Man, you're doing it. I, I didn't think you were going to accomplish it. You did it. Talk about a self-made person. You were on the ground. You lifted yourself up by your bootstraps. And then we begin to listen. And then over time, we stop seeking God, much less his will for our lives. We begin telling God what we need rather than asking him what he would desire for us. And when, when we succeed and people begin to take notice and they begin to build us up, we get prideful. And, and I'm not just talking about those things that are God's will, but those things that go against God's will. Pretty soon we become so consumed on the compliments and the people-pleasing because, let's be honest, peer pressure and people-pleasing is something everybody struggles with. At least if you're in society, we have norms. We want people to like us. I don't think anybody wakes up in the middle of the night and says, oh, I really wish everybody hated me. We want people to like us. And sometimes that becomes our driving force. And we begin to push God out. And then those things in our life we begin to take credit for. We take the spotlight off of Jesus and we put it on ourselves. And in essence, we say, world, I am here. I have arrived. I am self-made and I did it all by myself. We climb the top of that mountain that we saw up there and we reach the peak and say, I did it alone. Instead of recognizing God helping us every step of the way, giving us a breath to even get up there. And what James is saying is that this type of boasting is, is evil in the eyes of our perfect God. We begin to replace God with whatever it is we're boasting about, and we begin to worship things other than God, and we begin to worship our achievements, and we begin to worship people, and we begin to worship even ourselves. And, and our boasting, it shouldn't be about us. Our boasting should be in the Lord and His saving grace, and not our own merit and in ourselves. So I was thinking about what would this look like in practical terms? Our boasting at least should include the Lord, don't you think? If something happens good in, in our lives and we've been praying about it and we've been seeking God and He blesses it, when people say, hey, that's really good. Congratulations. I'm really proud of you. What have you been up to? Do you think God had anything to do with that? I do. James does. And so say someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? I noticed you got a promotion. Congratulations. You've been really doing it. We could respond in something like this. You know what? I prayed for months about getting a promotion and I trusted God and in that I put extra effort into work. I really sought him when I was doing it. I can't take all the credit. I'm really grateful to God. I wouldn't have been able to promote without him. That's not boasting. That's giving credit where credit is due. See, the caution is that even in the small and the secret and almost recognizable ways, how easy it is to forget and how frail we are and how easy it is to stop to consciously and intentionally to, to recognize our dependence on God. And when we forget, we become prideful. We become boastful. We become ego-driven. And we become <clears throat> people that just flaunt our independency and our self-sufficiency from God. And the thing is, when I was thinking about this, you know, there's, there's some really cool things that we do, right? Justin just got a new snake, which was pretty cool. He's got a good name for it, too. It's an Arizona king snake. You know, so the thing is, we, gotta, we can't confuse boasting and bragging with being excited and sharing. Because then we're just going ahead as a bunch of as Christians putting a bunch of don'ts in front of us. See, the point is, boasting is when we take full credit for all that is happening in our life and stealing the glory for ourselves that belongs to God. It's really simple. And when we're doing that, we're putting our ego in front of our faith. And up there, ego just means edging God out. When we think more of ourselves and more often in ourselves than we do of God, we are slowly edging God out of our lives, 
out of our plans, out of our thoughts, relationships, and our conversations. Ego building and boasting is evil, and James offers nothing more than it is evil, but it's interesting, and the word that he uses as evil is found elsewhere in Scripture to describe the accuser, Satan. Boasting is taking credit away from God and putting it upon ourselves. And boasting our plans when we are out of alignment with God's will or intentionally robbing God of his part and glory is a sin of commission. And then James goes on to warn of the sins of omission and knowing the good that we should do and then choosing not to do it or putting it off in the hopes that someone else will do it is also a sin. Um, So I was in Costco and I go out there and I got my shopping cart after I load up the groceries with Shell and I'm looking at it and that shopping cart return thing was way far ago and everybody else is leaving their shopping carts out. So it would be really easy for me to make a decision to what? Leave my cart. Lord, do you want me to leave my cart? Ugh. Be right back, babe. And I go and walk my cart over. And then on the way, I go ahead and grab somebody else's cart. I don't share this because to say that I'm, you know, like cool or something. I'm sharing it because I just felt convicted that that's what I'm supposed to do. And that means I do it. And if I told God no and I jumped in the car and left my cart there, then for me, that would have been a sin at that moment. Because I felt the Lord lead me in a different direction. James 4.17, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Oftentimes we go ahead and, and don't worry about it, somebody else will get it. I remember there was one time I was at a church and, and people would go ahead and they'd leave litter everywhere within the church. I'm so thankful for our church family, we don't do that. And they were leaving around and I said, hey, you know what, are you going to pick up after yourself? They go, oh, the janitor will get it. That's why we pay the janitor. They didn't know Shelly was the janitor. And when tragedy strikes, see, the thing is, when it comes to doing the right thing, knowing the right thing to do and not doing it, there's times we, we know the right thing to do and we do it. When tragedy strikes in our church family or there's some call for action from the district or a wildfire or a flood or whatever it is, we answer the call. We sacrifice our time and our resources when a family loses everything, like a house or a loved one, and we respond to these big tragedies just overwhelmingly with love, and that's a good thing. We need to not, we need to remember to always do that. That is good. That is what the Lord wants. This is a, it's what the church, one of the, one of the reasons the church exists, to glorify God and to help and support one another. But what about those small day-to-day -day things? You know, I was told when I was young, or when I was a younger man, that a husband is to die for his wife, be willing to die for his, his spouse. And I said, you got it. I, no problem, I got that one. You know, someone goes ahead and, and wants to do some damage to Shelly, and they're going to shoot her. I'll jump in front of it, and I'll take a bullet, and I'll die. And the person said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about every single day. Moment to moment to moment, you die to yourself. Open yourself up to Christ and how he would have you become the husband that he wants. So shall he become the wife and daughter of Christ and woman that God wants? That's tougher. That's the day-to-day, in-and-out sacrifice that we ought to do. We know what we ought to do, and we choose not to do it. How many of us know a family that's having trouble paying the bills, and, and it's, it wouldn't be too much for us, but we just let it go? Or what about a family that needs you know, some groceries, or they need a ride, and, and it would be inconvenient for us, or it might throw off our schedule or our plans or we aren't going to be able to to do what we want with our plans and so we have to change things and and so we say no I I can't 
And deep in our hearts, we feel this guilt and this shame, and we push it away. And then when we push it away, we're also pushing away that nudging of God within our hearts. James says that's a sin. That we're actually, we're breaking God's heart when we do that. And we're not living in the fullness of, of what he wants. We're not living into his plans. We have no idea the plans and the glory that God has to receive for himself and also for the unity that can build up in his body when we sacrifice in that small way. The grain of salt size way. That little, little bit that we may be salt of the earth. Because it doesn't take complex and extravagant ways to help. It just simply looking for ways to make a difference if the Lord leads. And that also implies that we have to be willing to be vulnerable and invest in others and be vulnerable and allow others to invest in us. Maybe that's where God's leading you today. You ought to do what you know what you ought to do and you choose not to do it. Part of that is opening our hearts up to the body of Christ that we may be vulnerable and transparent and sometimes we need help. And sometimes, and in that, God can help us through his body. And that means we seek first in what God leads. Last week, Pastor uh, Songer uh, shared on Pentecost, and those who are in Christ have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit to guide and lead, correct, rebuke, and train. Because the Spirit is within us. But that is only good to the, to the amount in which we are willing to seek God's will. That's only good in the amount that we are teachable. That is only good in the amount that we are right-sized. That is only good in the amount that we choose to grow and to follow Christ and to be in his character. You know, I thank God for the, the creativity of our church. To, to creatively do amazing things with the resources that we have. And the challenge is for us as individuals. We do awesome as the people of God. Now we need to focus on the persons of God doing the same thing. To remember God's grace. To let his spirit work within us, to lead us in our personal lives. To, to see what we ought to do and to trust him with our plans and then do it. Not because anybody else is doing it, because the spirit of God is saying go and do it. You know, did you notice your neighbor's trash cans outside of the street? Take it in. You don't know the day they've had. God knows. And when we do that, those small miracles, those small blessings begin to add up. And soon God bears testimony to his glory and we have the right to speak into others' hearts. But it takes investment. See, the life of the Christian is, is of action and of willingness. It's even an eagerness to do God's will. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus with the centurion and the, Jesus says, hey, I'll go to your house. Centurion says, no, don't worry about it. You just give the word and I know that it'll happen. This is a pagan, unbelieving person that says this to Jesus and Jesus says that there's no greater faith of anybody that he's met in the nation of Israel. Is it fair to say, can we have the faith of a pagan Roman soldier? God, you say it. I know it's going to happen and I'll do it. I'm going to trust you that much that I don't know where that road goes. But if you say go down that road, then I will go down that road, trusting you are with me. And that takes faith. See, when I see a need personally, I, I go and I ask God what he would have for me. And then I do it to the best of my ability. And some days I'm better than others. Shelly has a great phrase. She says, some days you're only at 40%, but you give 100% of that 40%. Some days I'm only at 10%, but I'll give 100% of that 10%. The thing is, we have a perfect God that is perfect 100%, 100% of the time, and his 100% overcomes our deficiencies in those times that we fall short. And although it's reasonable and appropriate and responsible to plan for, the mo for tomorrow, we need to make sure that we include God's plans that we make today and do so first. Because plans without God... They're nothing but going to bring death, destruction, and rot. But his perfect and holy will brings us life, life now, and life everlasting, and life to the fullest. 
Our plans without God are self-indulgent, self-seeking, and, and toward personal instant gratification. So how do we heed these words of James and this caution to not fall into the trap of, of the sins of omission? Our response is to place God first in our life. To live as Jesus lived for us. Help those around us. Do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, not in our own eyes. Don't speak evil or judge others. And allow ourselves to be right side by inviting God into all of our plans. We're only here for a little while. And James talks about that, that our life is like the fog, like a mist. And Lord willing, we can make a difference each and every day, moment to moment, when we are present to his presence and allow his guidance to go ahead and lead us, to allow his, his plans to guide us and to trust that this is what he would have and that he will see us all the way through to the end. And we do so not for ourselves, but to his kingdom and his glory in uniteness, in, un in unity and obedience for God, for his people, our brothers and sisters, our church family, as he transforms us as we grow more and more into his image with ever-increasing glory. So our challenge this week, how much influence do you allow God to have on your plans, if any? Now, these are personal questions. You can talk about them. You can journal about them. But these are challenging. Honestly, ask yourself, how much influence, God, do you actually have on my plans? Or am I just giving lip service and speaking Christianese, saying, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Well, can you do this while well, I pray about it? Let's really ask the hard question. And then where does ego, edging God out, where do we have that in our life? Where am I so full of myself that you can't even recognize whether Jesus is present with me? And the last one is make a difference. Pray where God would have you be of service to him and others in three different areas, three different and separate ways to others and then do it. So ask God three different ways in which you can be of service to him and to others. Trust him and then do it. Would you please stand for a blessing? May you be sent as a faithful body of Christ where everyone is living out their calling in the Lord, both seeking God's will and live God's will out in all of your affairs by living humbly right-sized as we connect, grow, and serve in our communities. You are sent, and may the peace of the Lord be with you.